Let's uh, let's go to the Psalms. I'm I'm working Psalms just a little while as I prepare for Luke, which I'll be starting in July. I'm going to be doing Luke and then Acts in order, so that should only take three or four years. But um, um, it's it's about 28 percent of the New Testament is just Luke and Acts. It, it it's more than any other author. But uh, you know. Um, as we prepare for that, I want to just spend some time in the Psalms just getting us ready. So um, today's Psalm, Psalm 96, is known as an enthronement Psalm. That's a great big word, isn't it? Enthronement. It means that God is on the throne and we're going to build a place in our heart to make sure we put him there. So I just want you to know that, that uh, we're going to do this. Boy, I feel, um, I feel... Uh, a little disjointed for a second. Maybe we should pray. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, um, I thank you for the chance to be uh, disjointed up in front of people, but uh, maybe that isn't the best thing for them. I ask for just uh, your spirit to calm my heart and whatever's going on, that you'd be in charge of that. Um, guide my words and uh, my thoughts as we move forward. In your name, amen. Okay, so let's read the psalm and then I'll get working. Some of you, this might have some words you're familiar with. You might not have known where this came from. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works amongst all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and, the, and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faith. I want, to notice, I want you to notice one thing as we work through this, that when you read Psalms, sometimes they change from one tense to another to another. And that pattern is really useful for us to recognize. This one starts off with sing and declare. Sing and declare. That's a past tense. But it's sing and declare what he's done for you. Well, these patterns that Scripture do us, tells us it works in patterns lots of times Prophecy is in patterns as well as just forthright speaking. Here's an example. Did you know that 
Jesus went into Egypt as an infant and came out of Egypt to fulfill a prophecy that was not really a prophecy, as it says in the Gospel of Luke, for out of Egypt I called my son. But the pattern is that Israel keeps going into Egypt and coming out in a salvation story that when Jesus does it, it's an even greater fulfillment than what had happened before. And so these patterns that are all throughout the scripture are really helpful for us to recognize. One of the patterns that happens in this psalm is it does a past, present, future. It's really important to recognize that we have a past and that we're in a present and a future is coming. Just want you to know that. Just hold that thought. We will get to that and why it is. But as this psalm starts, it says, Sing and declare that he has established a creation, a heaven. We prayed this morning on heaven, in, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, heaven is a real place and there's a throne there and God is on it. Do you know that? It's not just one of these places where you think, well, someday it'll be like that and we'll know that God's on the throne. He's on the throne and we're praying for what's really happening right now and has happened in the past to become reality now or for us to move into that reality. Sing and declare what God has done. He has done great things. Do you live on earth? Do you live on earth? Let me ask you that question. Do you live... Yes? Where do you live? On earth. God has established, he's done great things for us. Even if he hasn't come and met you personally, he's done great things for you because you get to live in a place that's hospitable. You know, if you, don't, if you breathe air and you live in a place without air, that doesn't work. He has done great things for you. It has done the sing of the great things for his kingdom is going to come on, on, on earth as it is in heaven. But, but before we recognize that he's just enthroned in heaven, we need to start enthroning him in our own hearts. And to do that, a process needs to happen. We need to recognize that he's done something for us. I don't want to see it. Yeah, I do want to see a show of hands. Is there somebody in the room that knows that God's done something for them? Okay. Sing and declare that. Did you know you have a story to tell and it's a story of how God has touched your life and you can share, sing, and declare that God has done great things for you. He's not like the worship idols and the other idols of the other nations that, that if they're not really wealthy enough, they don't make them out of precious metals. They just take a piece of wood. One of the passage in Isaiah says, well, you take a log and you cut it into thirds and you throw a third on the fire and you sit on a third of it and you, and you cut the other third into an idol and then you worship it. How silly is that? That's about how much power the idols have in your life once you know this God created the earth and the heavens and is enthroned. In verse 7, let me read this again. How many of you noticed this little change? So it says, Sing and declare, splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And then the verbs change. Ascribe to the Lord families of the peoples. 
Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Glory do his name. That's a present tense thing. He's done something for you, but he's not done doing something for you. Now, in the great big huge scheme of things, I want you to know this, that God specifically is calling to himself a people that will be his. And a people called by his name who will, who will call on his name and will be his representatives on earth. Now, some people would call that the church. I call that the people of God, wherever it is, people that will say this one thing. Can you say this thing? I am his. Can you say that? If you're his, can you say that? I am his. And now one other thing. He is mine. Is mine. That's what it means to be a part of the people of God. So there's lots of terms for that, and we'll get into that. Do you know how you become a person of God? You submit, and you become his person. You ask him for help. So say that for me. I am his and he is mine. Now, some people would say to do that means you're saved. And sometimes that word saved comes with all sorts of weird ramifications in our world. Sort of like another word that's sort of lost meaning to us. Saint. Do you, do you think of yourselves as saints? <laughs> so obviously not. <laughs> You don't think of yourselves as saints. Do you know what the Bible thinks is a saint? Somebody who says, I am his and he is mine. That's the definition of saint in the Bible, not what the Catholic Church uses to define a saint and then vote on it and then make all these things and do that and, and maybe. But a saint means a person of God, God's person, if you will. Now, to say God's person doesn't mean that you're the only one, but you're one of many. So God's after you, more than just your soul, by the way, all of you. He's after you and others and all of creation. And he's doing that right now. Ascribe to him glory and strength. Glory do his name. Bring an offering into his courts. Wearing, as this translation says, um, the splendor of holiness. If you look in the Hebrew, that's actually wearing the clothes of righteousness. How do you get the clothes of righteousness? Do you know how to get those clothes? Those are fancy clothes, aren't they? Do you know how to get those? What have I said today? Repeat after me. I am his and he is mine. That's how you get those clothes. If you want to know more specifically and you want to go do an Old Testament reference, go to Zechariah chapter 3. I know it's your favorite spot in the Bible. It's one of mine, actually. It has this fabulous spot in it. Right in the middle of Zechariah chapter 3, it says, And behold, I will remove the sin of the land in a single day. Do you know when that was? Do you know what that day was? Calvary, God has done great things for us. But before it says that, it has this little episode, a little event that it's talking about. And it has the priest and Satan saying all sorts of bad things against the priest. And the Lord says, I rebuke you. Is this man not a stick snatched from the fire? Take off his dirty clothes and give him new clothes. Clean clothes, priestly garments. I am his and he is mine. 
That's how you get those clothes. That's how you do that. But that's a real, that's a past event that's happened. Now he's working in your life. I don't want you to just live that he's done something for me and now I don't have to do anything because now I get to go to heaven and I'll just sit here and wait for that event. That is not what it means to be God's person on earth. It means that God's doing something in your life and now he wants you to have eyes to see and ears to hear what he's doing. Ascribe to him. Notice that he's doing something in your life. Can you do that? Did you know that church is really about that? It's not really about whether or not some guy gets up and is really boring for 15 minutes or whether the singing is really good or whether the children's moment is funny or, or any of those things. It's not. Matter of fact, it's not about that at all. All of that is about creating a culture or a place where you can come and meet with the Lord. Do I want you to meet with the Lord in the sermon? Do I want you to see him working? Yes. Do I have any ownership over that? No. That's completely between you and God. And you might come and owe for a thousand tongues to sing might have been the moment where you saw God this morning. Praise him for that. Ascribe to him the work he's doing. Is he doing something in your life out in the workforce or wherever you are today? Is he working in your life? Will you have eyes to see it and recognize it? Notice it. It's almost what ascribe to the Lord means. It means notice it, write it down, pin it on him, give him credit. It's a big deal to give God credit where it's due. Do you know that he's completely willing to go unnoticed by most people? He still makes air to breathe. We don't notice that. But he still does all sorts of things. He was working in my life long before I knew it was him. Is there anybody in here that knew that, that now knows in hindsight that God was working long before they noticed him? Yeah. Now you know him, notice him working. This is how you put him on the throne of your life. You ascribe to him the things that he's doing. Notice it. I once had a witnessing experience. I was talking to this young man and he was going, we were having this long talk and I was talking to him about whether or not um, he had seen convincing proof that God was real. And he said, no, I'm not convinced. So I asked him a question. I said, if God were to show you convincing proof, would you be willing to recognize it? Because God knows exactly what convincing proof is to every individual. And by the way, convincing proof to me that he's powerful and he's my savior is different than it's going to be for you. Do you know why? You're different than I am. You wouldn't want to be just like me. And having two or three of me in the same place would be uncomfortable for all sorts of people. But you want to be you want to be you and God wants you to be you and he recognizes that and he's custom and he's custom fitting his relationship with you to be a fitting relationship with you. Recognize his work. Have eyes to see and ears to hear. Ascribe to him glory, do his name. 
This is the present tense. We've, he's done great stuff for us and we don't get caught there. We come up to this moment and we say, he's done great things for us, but he's also doing something else for us other than just working in our lives right now. Part of the Bible is really set aside to say, God is setting up a hope and a future for his people. Do you know that there's a hope and a future for you? That God is making some place for you. We call that heaven. I'm going to heaven. I hate to tell you this. If you read the book, it's coming here. Have you read that? It doesn't say your kingdom go and take me with you. It says your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom's coming here. That's the future. But we can't get just... Sit, sit still and be enamored with the future because he's working now in our lives. He's doing a couple of things. Do you want to know why he's doing a couple of things? Let me read this last part of verse 10. The Lord reigns, the world is established, it shall never be moved, or it, it can't be moved, and he will judge the peoples with equity. Here's the next change of tense. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Do you think the earth is rejoicing right now? Is it really excited to have humans on it? But if we were true to what God's mission was for us, I think it would. Matter of fact, Paul says this. He says, the, all creation groans for the revealing of the children of God. That we would be shown to be his. That we would take the role that we're having to do. Let the fields rejoice. Let the fields exult and everything in it. And the trees of the forest will sing and shout for joy. At that moment. That's the future. Let it happen. But we've had these verbs. We sing and declare of what's been done. We ascribe and we worship in the present. And we let. And here's the other half of let. We let God judge. Wait as the room goes silent. Go, we let God judge? Well, I'm, how many of you have been judged in, inappropriately or wrongly in your life or unfairly? Anybody? Everybody? How, how often have you done that to somebody else? <laughs> you try not to, but, but can you avoid it? Sometimes you, you have first impressions, set, right? First impressions, right? Ooh, I don't want to be near that person. How many of you have a friend that you didn't want to be near initially? It's it's proof that, yeah, you it's proof that we judge badly. Yeah, she married him. Karen, Karen. So so Karen met my best friend once and she wasn't sure she wanted to know me anymore. That's a true story, isn't it? Yeah. That was early. I'm different now than I used to be. <laughs> so is he. So was he. Um, and, and his wife actually was the single person I was probably the meanest to in the whole world. We are really good friends now. God is so good and he's doing work in us. But we let this judge happen. Do you know what? Do you know why we let the judge happen? Because he knows the whole story. And we let him do it. Matter of fact, the te- testimony of the Bible here is that when he does it, it's true and right judgment. 
You're not going to go, uh-oh, that, sh- that person should have got it worse. Here you go, well, yeah. What about me? Well, yeah, that was right. You ever seen something and just go, duh, that's the way it should be. That's the way it will be when God judges. You'll go, absolutely. He knows everything and he judges with righteousness and glory and all those things. We let him judge. That's the future. A hope for his people. A hope and a future is that he gets to judge. When we judge, it destroys hope and futures in all sorts of lives, doesn't it? Sometimes when we're judged, it destroys our hope for a moment, just snatches it right out of us. So we've got to let this thing, this is a big deal, this past, present, future pattern in our lives. The Bible shows us this pattern. It shows us that God is enthroned in each one of these things, but it doesn't show us that he's enthroned in our lives. That's something that we have to do individually. We have to put him on the throne of our heart. He won't force it in a hostile takeover. He just won't. And the way you do that is this. You sing and declare the work of his hands in your life. You ascribe and worship in the midst of what he's doing. Wow, I can't believe God did that. And then you let him judge in the future. What an amazing little thing. So let's, let's do this one thing. You remember these little statements that I said earlier that I had you repeat? I am his and he is mine. That's what it means to be a person of God. I am his and he is mine. He is Lord over the whole earth. And in that, we remember that we have a future that isn't, necessarily disconnected from our past but because we've been redeemed and saved will you pray with me lord jesus i thank you for today i thank you for this little example in these 13 verses move in our hearts and cause us to see you at work move in us and cause us to be your people And recognize your work. In your precious name.